The following program was previously recorded. Welcome to night number two of our week of Best Life webcast. All week long, we're giving you the tools and inspiration to look at your life in a different way and make the changes you need to live your best life in 2009. I'm laughing because, anyway. Right now, <laughs> thousands of people are online with us from every corner of the globe. China, hi, Iceland, Kuwait, Japan, and Botswana, and of course, all 50 states here in America. Welcome to our web class, Planet Earth. Last night, we found out how to get back on the weight loss wagon with Bob Green tonight. We're building on the momentum to get healthy with Dr. Oz. Hello. Thank you very much. Hello, hello. So let, let's tell the people just what happened. I just woke up, you know, because I just got in from Africa the other day. So my schedule is all flipped around. And so I'm doing live shows in the day and then webcasts at night. And so. And my big question was who would be brave enough to wake you up? Well, I actually woke myself up because, you know, I had to do this. So I'm napping in the middle of the day because I put myself back on the list. Normally, I would just, you know, trudge the day, trudge the day, trudge the day. Proud of you. Yeah. Proud of you. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about this today because for, in, in medicine, it's so often we'll have an ovarian lottery. You know, wherever you're born, that's the health care you get. Yes. But today, we're all over the planet. And so we're going to get great questions from Iceland that might generate a good response in Chicago that someone in China has got a better idea on. And well, that's actually how we're going to change medicine around the planet. Doesn't it kind of feel like Iceland here right now? It is, does, exactly. <laughs> it does. So cold. We've got Skypers standing by, and we're going to also be taking your phone calls tonight live. The number to call, 866-677-2496. That's 866-OPRA-XM. So you might remember last week, Dr. Oz gave us his ultimate checklist, the 10 most important steps to turn your health around in 2009. We're going to be answering your questions about that and anything else that's on your mind about health. After the webcast, you can print Dr. Oz's ch checklist on Oprah.com and just put it right there on your refrigerator with all the pictures. And, and then look at it and act on it. And act on it. Don't just have it there on, as a sticky exactly. thing on the It's not, not as good just decorative okay. purposes. Kim has been following Dr. Oz's ultimate checklist for two months now, and she's uh, Skyping from her... Where are you? You're right here in Chicago, right? I am. Oh, hi. Hi, Oprah. Hi, hi. Dr. Oz. How are you? Hi, how are you? So how's it been I'm, working, the checklist? It's been going really great for me. I've been working out on a regular basis. I've been taking my vitamins. Um, I've been reading labels, which is something new for me, and trying to make healthy choices in my diet. Uh, I've lost eight pounds, and I feel great. Wow. Where are you working out? Because it's, so, it's like a frozen tundra here. Where are you working out? <laughs> well, I belong to a gym, and it's, um, you know, it's a chain gym, but it's pretty inexpensive. And uh, my health advocate, who is also my neighbor, uh, goes with me. We get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and we drive, and we work out for an hour, and then we get home and go to work. So That's fantastic. I love a health advocate. So you also have a question for Dr. Oz. Let's hear it. I do, Dr. Oz. I just, um, I've been not... Uh, I have some pretty large weight loss goals. I'd like to lose uh, another 50 to 60 pounds. Um, and I just wondered if you had any advice or recommendations for me going forward, because I've been setting small goals. And when I look at it um, in little small increments, it's not so overwhelming. And uh, when I think about the ultimate goal, it seems kind of overwhelming for me. So how long do you think it'll take? And what advice do you have for me uh, going forward? Uh, what's your target weight? Where do you want to end up? Um, I, do I really have to say that on television? <laughs> um, it's it's uh, just like the internet. To, okay, I would like to end up like at around 190. 
Right. I, I think that's a, a reachable goal for me. That's fine. I just want to make sure that it was 90 pounds, wasn't your goal. Because oh God, no. <laughs> if you've got a real goal, you can get there. Let's just do a little bit of math. So a pound is about 3,500 calories. Right. Right? <clears throat> so if, if you're going to lose a pound a week, even that seemingly small amount, that's 500 calories a day that you have to lose. So that's okay. a significant jump. So for most folks, once you get the low-lying fruit out of the way, the initial weight loss, of course, is most relatively easy. Then you want to sort of get into a stable program. And let me share something with you. Every long-term study on weight loss, so in other words, people who've lost weight and kept it off for two years, has shared one basic insight, that every day you try to shave off 100 calories a day. And you don't try to get past that, because if your body knows you're trying to diet, it's going to think you're fasting because there's a famine. Yeah. So it's going to rebel against you. Yeah, that's the same thing Bob Green said last night. He's absolutely right. And I think across the board, if you just do the math, you'll realize that it's going to be really hard to lose more than a pound a week. That stated, that's still a significant amount. And in a year, you'll be where you want to be. The challenge is not to get there, it's to stay there. And if you change your lifestyle, remembering it's not a wind sprint, but it's a marathon you're embarked on, you'll be able to stay there. Great, thank you so much. Yeah, so it's about looking at it for the long term and not, you know, dropping eight pounds or four pounds. Because you can in the beginning, you yeah. lose, lose uh, water weight. You can, but it's really about automating things in your life, right? Because if you can make it sort of self, you know, subconscious that it happens naturally, then it's gonna keep happening. Then it's not a struggle. You're not on a diet anymore. You're just living life. And by the way, you're heading towards your playing weight. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, you at the gym. Congratulations. One okay. of the first steps on Dr. Oz's checklist is schedule a checkup. Sharon is calling us from outside of Dallas, Texas. She has a question about that. Sharon. Yes. Hi, Dr. Oz. Hi, Oprah. How Hi, are you? Sharon. I'm good. Um, well, I, I was watching your program last week and been watching all week. Um, but you, you mentioned that, you know, to get a basic checkup and some mentioned some, you know, various tests that should be taken. Uh, what about those of us who are not insured? Um, make a little too much for Medicaid or any assistance, but not enough money to pay for these tests for, you know, for borderline health care? Well, uh, every day uh, what, we have what more... What can we do? Every day, sure, and there are more people like you. Uh, and I completely yeah. understand the predicament you face. The good news... Uh, is that there's some real solutions that are out there most folks don't realize they can access. The, the first, by the way, is you can, you can negotiate. You know, doctors are human beings, uh, so are hospitals, you know, and so are pharmacists. You can go into places where you're normally forced to, to pay whatever's charged and say, listen, I don't have the money to afford that. Can we figure out something that makes more sense? And you'll be surprised at how frequently you can get folks to work out terms that are acceptable to you. But even if you're not going to go through all that, we're going to give you three links right now that you can go to after the show. The, the first is uh, the reality that about 20% of all the money we spend in healthcare is in pharmaceutical products and drugs. So you, there are actually programs to help you buy these. The Partnership for Prescription Assistance is a coalition of pharmaceutical companies, but also patient advocacy groups. And the, the link you're going to see on your screen now is the website for this group. You can go there. And if you're a candidate, you can get very discounted uh, medications. If you've got kids, uh, you, you can go to Insure Kids Now, which is another government group that can help the many uh, American children who are not insured. By the way, I just read today in the paper that one of the first things that we think the Obama administration is going to do is to cover the children of immigrants. So uh, and I, my personal belief, and I think a lot of Americans feel this way, is if you're under the age of 21, you ought to just get health care coverage. I mean, these kids are inexpensive to cover. Uh, we ought to help them as best we can. And so insurekidsnow.gov is a wonderful site uh, that you can take advantage of even today. But ultimately, I think if you can prove you were born 
Within 21 years, you ought to get health care in this country, and we'll be there. And finally, there are 30 states in this country uh, uh, that have the ability to help you. You can call the insurance commissioner's office and get help, but there's also a website, Find a Health Center, uh, which is on your website right now, which is a uh, health and human services organ uh, group, uh, which can also help you find some places you can walk to today and get the care that you desire. Well, this is so interesting oh, yeah. for people who are listening from you know, places like Canada and France yeah. who are like, Gosh, you all are still I could tell about you were smirking. Yeah, no, I was just thinking, if you're listening and people are listening all over the world, the people in France, this is how lucky you are. You're not having to discuss, how do I pay for getting a test? I, I suspect that the biggest change that will happen in, in, in the next uh, eight years is going to be a dramatic reshaping of the way we pay for health care. It's going to be a much easier and safer way uh, to, to provide health in this country. Well, thank you, Sharon. And I always get all my tests for my birthday. I give it to, to myself as a gift to myself, so... You know, very wise. Well, yeah. great. I just turned 50 this year, so yeah. that gives me some great ideas to yeah. do. Thank you, Dr. Oz. It's a great thing to do for every birthday. You know, give up a pocketbook yeah. or give up a pair of shoes, baby. And, exactly yeah. right. And oh. folks, don't put it in those terms. You know, it, it's, it's, it, you bring that as an example, but yeah. a lot of folks say, well, you know, I can't, I can't afford nicotine patches. Um, but you know what? They price yeah. those patches to be exactly the price of cigarettes. Really? So you're not actually doing anything but exchanging where you're spending the money. Wow, that's, that's a great, It's a great that's idea, though. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Oz tells us, told us it was important to know our numbers, everything from waist size to blood sugar. Christine is joining us on Skype, and your question for Dr. Oz is? Hi, Dr. Oz. My question is, I've heard you talk about waist size as opposed to weight, so I want to know how do I determine my ideal waist size and how do I achieve that, um, losing that weight around the belly area, and how do I maintain it? All right, so the first is to measure your waist size, you gotta get a measuring tape. You can't use a belt. Uh, you gotta actually take a tape, put it on your belly button, uh, and then put it over your hips. And then you can suck in a little bit. You can be like Scarlett O'Hara, because okay. I, really, I wanna know what your, what your actual belly fat looks like. And that number has to be less than one half your height. So how tall are you? I am 5'10". 5'10", so, so five. 70 inches. 70 inches divided by two. 35. Good, so is your waist size less than 35 inches? No. No. So why do you think it's not less than 35 inches? Because I eat too much. I'm a comfort eater. Um, and I guess I'm just, I don't take care of myself the way I should, and I, I need a little assistance. Are you gaining weight? Are you losing weight? Are you treading I water? I am gaining weight. I'm gaining weight. I, um, I quit smoking in the last month, so that has definitely been a factor. And, you know, I got married and I moved, so there's been a lot of stress, and I, I you know, opened the fridge to, to comfort it. Well, two bits of uh, advice. W marriage, interestingly, in fact, anytime a, a male and a female move in together, the guy gets healthier, the woman gets <laughs> sicker. Tell me about because it. Because you'll adapt some of his <laughs> Tell habits. Me about it. <laughs> really? Yeah. The guy gets healthier and the woman gets sick sicker. Because the guy will draft on your healthy habits and probably you know, warp some of yours. But you know, I think a lot of it, especially when you entered the married life uh, and you start giving up other things, is you're giving, 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 giving. And then when it takes time to give back to yourself, the only thing you do is give it food. I give it chocolate. You give it chocolate, right? Yeah. And I think you're wise enough uh, <laughs> uh, to, to figure out that's not the best solution. I know, I know. Right, well, act on it. I will, this I am, year, I am, that's right? why I'm here. Let this this is your year, this is your year. That's Thanks, it. Christine. Thanks, Christine. So, Thank you. okay, okay. I, can I be, one thing, last thing for Christine. Part of the story, really, is that when you feel stress, it's the equivalent, historically, of us being in the time of famine. Because that's what stress was, right? It wasn't a deadline to get somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right, I think right. he's still talking to me. Right, I'm still talking to you. And so yeah. if you feel stress, then yeah. your body's natural response is to try to store calories. 
So when I see right. people who have got a lot of belly fat, to me it means they're not coping with stress well because they're releasing chemicals. They're actually called cannabinoids, like from the pot plant. Uh -huh. Gives you the munchies. So you eat more things and, and, and you eat everything and a lot more of it because your body's saying, hey, eat whatever you can because who knows where your next meal is coming from. What do you know about the right. pot plant? I just heard about it. <laughs> Coworkers. Yeah, yeah, didn't inhale. <laughs> Val uh, from Benson, Minnesota is on the phone with a question for Dr. Oz. Hello, Dr. Oz and Oprah. Hi. Hi, Val. Hi, Thank Val. you for taking my question today. Uh, my question is, I'm a 46-year-old old woman in menopause already. And the two issues I have is, what can I do for diet and nutrition to try to keep off that extra pounds that seem to keep sneaking on. I do work out four to five days a week. Um, I'm not really overweight, but I keep getting thicker in the middle and that kind of thing. And the second question is, I am plagued with hot flashes. They keep me awake at night. Do you have any advice? Uh, well, lots of advice. Uh, and j just to start off, the, 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 the key to long-term shapeliness mm -hmm. is a physical activity plan that puts muscle uh, on your bones. There's just no way for you to continue to eat any reasonable amount of food uh, without muscle mass, because muscle burns so many more calories than fat does. Right. Now, that in mind, you've got exercise. Interestingly, when you exercise, you also build testosterone levels. You'll stimulate growth hormone. And if you combine it with sleep, you'll actually sort of reshape some of the hormones in the body. Now, if you're going through menopause and you've already sort of shot your adrenal glands, then you're going to be more prone to some of the sequelae, some of the complications of losing estrogen and losing progesterone. So for some people, once they've checked their thyroid glands and once they've made sure uh, that the other major issues in their life are taken care of, it does make sense for a short period, I think, to add hormone replacement therapy. But then you know, that becomes a little bit of a tug of war and you, as you figure out how long you need to be on it and what the right dose is for you. Okay. All I have to say, Val, is this Thursday on The Oprah Show, we're uh, doing the entire show devoted to hormone replacement therapy and what that can mean in your life. That is this Thursday, day after tomorrow. Whatever, awesome. What day is this? Day after tomorrow. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> day after tomorrow. Really big show on it, okay? Okay, I'll be watching. You should be watching that. You'll get lots of information. And I would say um, uh, the best book I've ever seen on this is Dr. Christiane Northrup's book called The Wisdom of Menopause. Do you have that book? No, I don't. That is, that is worth... It's in paperback now, and it is the Bible to women who are perimenopausal or, or menopausal, because, you know, you're perimenopausal for sometimes 10 years before your period actually stops. And go to chapter 5 in that book, and it will explain everything you need to know. Okay. The Wisdom of Menopause by Christiane Northrup, okay? Thank awesome. you, Val. I'll check it out. And watch Thursday. It's also, it's a, it's a soulful book, and what it's I love soulful, the most yeah. about it is yeah. that it actually talks through all the aspects uh, of changing your life when you're going through menopause. Yes, it's emotional, spiritual, physical, but, recommends but, things, you know. But some, sometimes you do need the hormones, and when that's there, you need to actually take them. I think Christian's right on track with that. Okay. So you're in favor of hormones if you need them. Absolutely. I, I think, just putting numbers on it, yeah. I bet you that a third of women probably just have no problems at all yeah. going through it. Understanding why that's so is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but why? Why is that so? Well, I think part of it's dietary. I, I do think that the kinds of fats you have in your body are important predictors of how you're going to be able to cope with menopause. So if you have a lot of the omega-3 fats, you don't have a lot of saturated fats. Those people seem to have less issues uh, with the hot flashes in particular, because you know these hormones, they're changing, and, and as they change, they cause a, a disharmony. That's what yeah. causes the symptoms more than their actual values. Uh, some people have adrenal glands that are shot. They're yeah. just completely washed out. And so you don't have the reserves
to back up the ovaries when they stop making the normal amounts of progesterone, which is the first thing to fail. And Christian goes through this in great detail. Yeah. And then when you lose the estrogen, you don't have any more backup. And of course, the big problem with losing estrogen is you also lose testosterone. And that's where the muscle mass is important. And estrogen seems to be the juice of life, because when you lose the estrogen, you lose not just, uh, for me, it was a lack of sleep, not being able to sleep for two years. You also lose sort of your zest. You lose your, you know, embracing life. You lose a lot. You don't, you don't lubricate as well. You get joint issues. Uh, you actually probably heart problems, which we will link to. Your bones get weaker. It's, it's critical. However, I don't want to paint it as just an estrogen issue. No, it is not. Right. It's a hormonal exactly. balance so, issue. You know, so the key is yeah. make sure your thyroid's okay. Because every woman's okay. different. Exactly right. And progesterone, and estrogen, and, and, and testosterone. testosterone across the board. And once those and are balanced. And the adrenals. And the adrenals, of course, which are they're, they're the hardest ones to measure, actually. Yeah. And, and that's actually where... You do, it's a saliva test. Can you get it through? Yeah, 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 yeah it's, it's a saliva, saliva test, test, but the accuracy of it, because it changes. Your adrenal glands secrete much more uh, in the afternoon than in the morning, and so it's a moving target for doctors to try to aim at. And doctors... And this is the big battle that I think your show is going to start in this country. We're used to, as physicians, measuring numbers out. Yes. And then say, okay, you're within the normal range. Absolutely. Right? What, that, what does normal mean? Absolutely. Well, what's a normal shoe size? Ab right. What is a normal shoe, shoe size? Right. It's between 4 and 12. Give me your shoes. I'm not giving you these shoes. <laughs> right. They're not going to fit me. barely had on shoes. Right. They're not going to fit me. Mine yeah. won't fit you. So when we say, hey, it's normal... All we're really saying is that you're a normal human being. Yeah, normal for whom? Exactly. Normal for whom? Because every one, woman's body is different. And that's the tug of war. Yeah, but wouldn't you say, though, that your profession has not really done its, uh, us a full service in this? Because I, uh, like so many other millions of women, have been completely frustrated because when you go to the doctors, they do say, Are, you're in the normal range. They don't say, but normal for whom? They don't, they don't ask you about your quality of life. It is, uh, I think, one of the biggest opportunities to improve medicine. Yes. Uh, for sure, when we shift away from just saving lives yes. to preserving the quality of life, Enhancing which we are doing now, yeah. then I think this becomes frontline medicine. But, you know, we weren't trained to do this. That's right. right? We went through medicine, in my case, learning how to fix blocked arteries that were about to kill you. The last thing in my mind was whether estrogen worked or not. And the large trials that were done misled us. Yeah. Because instead of using natural products, bioidentical products, yes. that, that, by the way, aren't patentable, and for that reason, people aren't going to do big studies on. Right. Uh, we ended up doing the equivalent And they're trials. not patentable because bioidentical, because those of you who know the difference between bioidentical and synthetic products. Right. Yeah. Just, just, just go ahead. You know go, no, you no, go no, ahead. No, you know it better than I do. No, I don't. Go ahead. <laughs> you, so bioidentical bio, bio means it's the exact same hormone as in your body, which means you can't patent that. That's the property of the human race. But if I were to modify just a little bit yeah. so that it's mine, now I own it. Yes. Now I'll pay a lot of money to see if my version is better than what you were born with. Uh -huh. And that gives us data that as doctors we have to use. Yeah. And by the way, before we start pointing fingers, yeah. all of us invest in companies that do trials, uh, if you invest in pharmaceutical companies, that are designed to show that a product that might make money for the company is worth using. And so all of us are involved in this discussion. Okay. Well, we're, we're going to have the full discussion on Thursday about whether bioidenticals or synthetic hormones versus synthetic hormones, and also just balancing your hormones, because I really believe there are millions of women out there who are taking uh, antidepressants and living, yes, yes, taking yes. antidepressants sleep and, meds. And, and sleep meds when really it's a hormonal issue. I'll tell you the big problem you're going to have. What? That the delivery of that kind of care, because it's very customized, yes. is very intensive in resources. So you actually got to sit with somebody and work with them very carefully, and it takes a long time to get them on the right program. I can't just 
give yes. you a pill. And it's also not just one size fits all. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's much more difficult to help all the people out there who have problems. So it's going to challenge us. Yes. But That's, challenge us, meaning you, it, medical. All, all of us, because now I've got to go to you and say, Oprah, tell me if you've got a problem. You have to be a good enough historian to tell me a story that convinces me you have a thyroid problem or estrogen problem or progesterone problem. That I have to be insightful enough to listen to you. But, and you also, as, as, as a, you have to be in, 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 uh, aware of your own body. Because as you said yesterday, I kept insisting, I kept insisting, I kept insisting that, you know, I still don't feel great. I still don't feel great. If you hadn't insisted, you'd be taking more sleeping medications. Yep. You would have added an antidepressant, and you'd be like millions of other American women Ugh, and men. Horrible, horrible. So it is the biggest message of all here. Okay. So last week, we told you we would give you the full list of vitamins and supplements Dr. Oz recommends for ultimate health. So tell us. <laughs> All right. So this is, by the way, a question I frequently get asked. So yes. we're going to break it down real simple. Two categories of people, people who might get pregnant and people who aren't going to get pregnant, which means older women and men. Okay. okay. So if you're a female who's uh, of an age that you might become pregnant, Yes. It is important, first of all, because, because you're having menstrual cycles, that you get a multivitamin that has iron in it. Okay. And then you want to get less than 5,000 units of vitamin A. You don't want too much vitamin A, but you need a little bit more than, than the other group is going to get. Right? There you go. So that's across the board. Now, these folks also in their multivitamin will get folic acid. I'm going to come back to that in a second. The group that is postmenopausal or are men... Yeah. Also take a multivitamin. Yeah. Postmenopausal means you're no longer having your period. Right. Period started. And, 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 I'm sorry, it has stopped. Stops. So the period has stopped. So you're not losing blood. So you don't need the iron. Because the reason we're giving you a multivitamin with iron is to be able to restore those losses from menstruation. So when you're postmenopausal, after the bleeding stopped, or you're a male, you take a multivitamin, but no iron. No iron. And then you need only about 2,500 units of vitamin A. Okay. Now, thankfully, there were people watching last week in our show, and we got a phone call from the Folic Acid Council. I didn't even know that existed. There's a folic acid yes. council. And okay. these nice people said that I was warning folks against eating some of, the, some of the foods, which on the food label stated, you know, saturated fats, trans fats, all these things we agree aren't good for you. Right. But I also said on there, enriched flour. Mm -hmm. Now, I wrote that because I'd much rather that people eat whole grains than en enriched grains. Because enriched grains are whole grains that got the good stuff taken out of them. Right? And that's an issue for us because when you take the good stuff out and add just a little bit back, then I say to myself, well, just take the original food, the natural food you're supposed to be born with. So just to clarify for the Folic Acid Council, I don't mind enriched flour if your only other option is non-enriched flour, which is these, these days not what most people eat. But I'd rather you eat whole grains than enriched flour. Now, okay. Now, back to the, the, the list. And that's usually the first ingredient on when you look at bread. Look at all these bread, for sure, all yeah. these flour products. So yeah. if it says enriched flour, just be aware you're getting simple carbohydrates. Okay. You're better off with whole grains if yeah. you can. And what you want is complex car carbohydrates. Exactly. Got it. Now, uh, the other things we talk about are omega-3 fats. Yeah. Probably the most important supplement of all. It's important for the brain. 80% of our brain is made from omega-3s. You want calcium and magnesium. These are important minerals that we use to build our bones. And of course, to build your bones right, you need vitamin D. Yes. And vitamin D is incredibly important, not just for bones, but for your immune function. Got to take the calcium and magnesium together, otherwise you'll get so constipated. Yes. You will need you will need surgery. <laughs> <laughs> you will really think you're in the delivery room. So you got to take them together. Right. Okay. And and so by the way, all these vitamins are found in foods. But to be sure that you're getting them, just take the multivitamin. Well, almost everybody's vitamin D deficient if you're living in a place like Chicago, because we just don't get enough sun. If you live north of Atlanta, you are vitamin D deficient. And vitamin D deficiency is linked to thyroid disorders. Is it? Okay. Because it's allowing an autoimmune process to rage, 
right? That's why multiple sclerosis and other autoimmune problems are also linked to vitamin D and cancer, by the way. But uh, thyroid in particular, I mentioned for you. Okay. All right. I hear that our phone lines are just, what, off the, we're raging here? <laughs> Flooded. Here we go. We know you have great questions, Dr. Oz, so I'm going to talk less and let you talk to him. If you're trying to call again, the number's at the bottom of uh, the screen. So uh, that's 866-677-2496. And if you get through, send us your question by email to, to, to the right of the screen. So Karen from Ontario, Canada is on the phone. There you go, Karen. Hi. Hi. Uh, uh, my husband and I have recently um, and uh, have started eating a lot of soy products. However, we've recently become aware of uh, several studies that talk about the harmful effects of eating soy, and I just wondered what Dr. Oz thought about that. Good. Soy products are a popular topic. Uh, they became uh, of interest to physicians uh, because we knew that people who came from societies where there was a lot of soy seemed to have less cancers, uh, in particular, for example, Japanese women just didn't have a lot of breast cancer. We thought the soy products were protective because they do, in fact, have phytoestrogens in them. One of the problems, though, is when you take a ton of soy yeah. and you replace all your beverages with soy milk and you start getting them in concentrated packets like in tofu, then we start to get a bit more concerned that it might be too much phytoestrogen for you. Uh, and so we actually don't know the answer to your question in a definitive way. I still think uh, soy products are of great value. I don't dissuade the people in my family from eating them. Uh, I do think if you're drinking a lot of soy milk, uh, you might want to diversify a little bit so you're not getting too many phytoestrogens in your diet. And just think about how soy used to be eaten historically. They'd be eaten in edamame and you know, bean form in more natural forms. It's harder to concentrate too much of this if you eat those natural forms. Okay, thank you. Super, thank you. All righty. All right, our next phone call. There's, who's our next phone call? <laughs> you tell me the phone lines are flooded. In the meantime, can you tell Andre to get me some Roy Boyce tea upstairs? Because, okay, good. Roy Boyce tea, great. I love Roy Boyce tea because it's, uh, it's non decaffeinated. And it's, it's well, let me tell you about something that I've been right. uh, trying to get talk about in the show for a while, but mm -hmm. it might, might be of interest. Probiotics. You know, what, you know much about them? No, not a thing. All right, so folks who have irritable bowel who are tuning in today, uh -huh. uh, people who have uh, chronic fatigue syndromes, people who have a lot of these inflammatory conditions like vaginosis and the like. One of the things that we think might be happening in you, if your immune system is generally depleted, is that the bacteria in your intestinal system aren't growing normally. Now, when okay. we're born and we go through the, the vag vagina of our mothers uh -huh. uh, or that we breastfeed, we actually pick up bacteria from there, and that colonizes our intestines. Mm. And those good bacteria grow in there. And eventually, there are about 10 times more uh, bacteria living in our gut than cells in our body. Oosh. And that allows us to absorb all these great nutrients that we need. Isn't the body something? Aren't you still fascinated I, daily? The reason I went into medicine, Oprah, is because I knew I'd never learn it all. Really? Honestly, that's the number one reason I went into it. Did you do a surgery today? Uh, yesterday. Yesterday. So, well, actually, till this morning. You did. <laughs> till very early this morning. You did surgery? Yes. Oh, wow. It was a, it, it is was... it still, every time you open up somebody's uh, chest cavity and there you are in the heart, is it still magical for you? Absolutely. It is the biggest chi source you can imagine. It gives you energy beyond belief. First of all, the fact that people would trust you to help them mm. uh, is, is very rewarding. But then it's magical. I mean, this heart's twisting in there and turning in there, and you have to make peace with it. You can't beat the heart. Mm. You've got to sort of coax it to work with you. So how many surgeries do you do a week? Uh, you know, five, six. Really? Uh, you know, when I was doing this, before I met you, yeah. I used to do closer to 10 a week. Really? Uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I tell you, the, and what's the longest you were ever in surgery? Oh, 24 hours. 24 hours. Yeah. And how do you do that? 
you, 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 well, you, you know, obviously you don't... Do you get to take a nap somewhere and no, then bring uh, somebody else in? I, no. A lot of this is the surgical ethos. You, you, you would never, it would be a sign of weakness to go sleep. <laughs> really? Yeah, you would absolutely focus. But I, I, the, 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 in particular case I'm thinking of is one that uh, is a story that um, uh, there, always comes back to me because this gentleman, I, when I met him in the holding area before, you know, in the ICU, yeah. uh, I told him he was inoperable. Really? And I went, uh, you know, to tell him this bad news. He looked at me and says, Doc, I was in Vietnam. I've seen death. I'm not dying tomorrow. You're operating on me. Really? So why, why did you say he was, he was inoperable? Because he really was. I mean, he had lots of scar tissue from prior surgery. His heart was completely blown out. It was so damaged that it was flooding his lungs. Aye. The lungs are like a sponge. They're, they're like uh, dry, little airy things. When they get boggy, they don't let air go through them. So you actually suffocate to death. Uh. So he convinced me. And so I took him to the operating room, uh, and I did the operation. I put a mechanical heart in him, and I could not get him out of the room. And I spent 24 hours in that guy's chest. Wow. And I remember saying to myself, what an idiot I am. How could I have operated on this guy? How could I have let him talk me into this? Uh -huh. But once you're in there, you're, you're partners for life. You're just not going you know, to tart. So we worked on him, worked on him, worked on him. After a couple, you know, we finally got him out of the operating room, but he bled and bled, and he finally awakened after all this. And I went to talk to him about what had gone on. And he said, I felt like I was in the ether, like I was floating around. Mm -hmm. And I looked up and I could see a light. And I knew that if I lost sight of the light, I'd be dead. Wow. So I just kept pushing myself in this thick soup that I was in towards the light so I could stay under it. And then finally it came to me and I woke up. Wow. And that guy is still alive. Wow. Still alive. Aren't you glad you said yes? I'm glad he forced me to. Yeah. That's what, that's what we're talking about, knowing yeah. yourself, knowing your body, and pushing, 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 even for you. Oh. So Debbie from Woodland, Washington, is on the phone. Debbie, hi. Isn't that a story? Hi, hi. Uh, hi, Oprah. Hi, hi. Dr. Oz. Hi. How are you, Debbie? Great, great. Um, I, I live in a sun-deprived part of the country. Um, I like to use a tanning bed about twice a month, even though I've heard lots of negative things about mm. them. I also take um, a vitamin D supplement along with my multivitamin. So, Dr. Oz, am I getting any vitamin D from using a tanning bed? I feel better, my skin looks better, and I even sleep better when I use it. Uh, you do get vitamin D from some of the tanning beds. They don't all secrete the same wavelength, but the, the, the reputable ones do give you vitamin D. Uh, I, I'm concerned about damage to the skin from constant use of tanning sons. That's one of the reasons I don't push people to go out there and do it. Natural sun by far is the best way of solving your vitamin D deficiency. And I know that in some parts of the country it's cold, but whenever it's warm enough to go outside, try to get you know, 15 minutes of direct sunlight. If you're dark skinned, Oprah, someone your color needs more like an hour of sunlight. And so without sunscreen. Without sunscreen. Yeah. So put sunscreen on your face and your hands because that's where aging shows. But the rest of your body needs to be able to see it, especially in the summer months. But how's it getting it through your clothes? Because I'm not out there in a bikini. No, no, you need to expose your your your, your chest and your back and your. Oh legs. really? Yes, you need those those big surface <laughs> areas. Oh, well, it's it's. I've critical. been doing it wrong all this time. <laughs> I've been like fully clothed, all my sweats but, on, but I'm in the sun. But you know, our ancestors, someone of your color, never lived here. Yeah, Oprah, within that is for damn sure. Let me tell you. <laughs> but, but you know, it, it, the thing about it is, if you look across all human species, that's right. Within 500 years of your tribe moving to Chicago, yes, they changed color. They look like me, and vice versa. Our species 
began to change skin color because skin color as they moved, moved exactly. across the it's sun. All a battle about vitamin D and folic acid. The whole battle is balancing because if too much sun wipes out folic acid but gives you vitamin D, which yeah. by the way is an important hormone. Yeah. And not enough sun depletes vitamin D and you get a lot of folic acid, but who cares because you're getting cancer and autoimmune diseases from the vitamin D. So the one exception are the Eskimos, the Inuit, because they get their vitamin D from their food. Wow. Fish liver. Well, I could tell. I mean, when I got off the plane in Africa the other day, I mean, it was like Africa hot. The sun is like yeah. so intense. Right. No vitamin D deficiency there. Yeah, no vitamin D yeah. deficiency there. I want to finish real quick with probiotics. Okay. I'm going to get 100 calls about this if we don't. Okay. We got off in the medicine. Real quickly, the issue with the bacteria in your gut is if you're taking antibiotics, Yeah. Uh, if the bacteria aren't growing correctly in your intestinal system, then you get the wrong bacteria, which overwhelm the good bacteria. And that's what it looks like. This image shows that those little uh, coral reef-looking structures are the lining of your intestine. Those big railroad cars, those, those spheres, mm -hmm. uh, those tubes, those are actually the bacteria, the good bacteria, the lactobacilli. So historically, we would eat yogurt and kefir and all these fermented right, foods. Right, right. Those are a great source of probiotics. So, and if you don't want to take it in that form, there are little pills you can take that have probiotics in them. And then you want to take prebiotics. These are foods that actually nourish your intestinal system. They're most, mostly made of fibers. When, when you say take yogurt, you meant you, real yogurt, not the low-fat, yes. whatever. Exactly kind. right. Yeah. Yogurt with live culture in it. Yes, with live culture. Uh, and, and, and so if you eat those kinds of foods, you'll naturally re replenish the bacteria in your intestinal system. But you also want to give you, yourself, the intestines in your body, the right kind of food to nourish those bacteria. So onions and uh, garlic, 100% whole grain breads, these provide fiber, which the bacteria love to eat. That's why they give you gas. But, oh. but it nourishes So those. gas is a, uh, uh, okay. A good thing. Okay. <laughs> one, of the, one of the most uh, <laughs> important things on Dr. Oz's ultimate health checklist is to find yourself a health advocate. We got an email from Susie in Sacramento, California. She doesn't fully understand what you mean. Is that a professional uh, person that you hire? Is it expensive? Uh, it can be a professional person, but does not need to be a professional person. No. Uh, it can be a friend. What it has to be, is someone who's wise and about using the healthcare system. You know, I really, there should be a Marvel comic about health advocates. They're like super people. They, they charge into the system, they ask the challenging questions, they force people to talk to each other, doctors in particular, uh, and they feel pride if they're able to make the system work better for their friends. Okay, you know, the first book that you wrote, which I, I can't remember the Healing name. Healing from right. the Heart. Uh, well, the owner's manual. Okay, maybe it's the second book. Were you talking about the, you, the patient? You, the owner's, oh yes, the smart patient. Okay. You have a good memory. <laughs> yes, I couldn't remember the name. You, but the no, smart that's patient. a really good book to read because everybody at some point in their life is either gonna get sick or know somebody who's gonna get sick. And there's lots of great advice in there about and how to do it for yourself. And I'm telling you, I mean, my experience this past couple of years, and I know other so-called famous people who also have ha had issues trying to get people, doctors, to listen to them and needed an advocate for themselves. Can you, so I, I really have said, I don't know what the average person does. Well, you asked me a question. Yeah. Uh, when, we, when, we, when we did a show on that uh, book, uh, which I struggle with a lot. You said, I'm not comfortable asking my doctor a difficult question about, about what they're telling me, yeah. challenging yeah. him. And I thought to myself, you know, if Oprah's not comfortable, I bet a lot of people aren't comfortable. Uh, and maybe I'm overthinking this a little bit. Yeah. But then I'd realize, you know, if you're the only one who puts your hands up, yeah, you'll get shot. Right. But if all of us put our hands up, which is what this webcast is all about, right. then it becomes a movement. Yeah. It becomes what we expect to have happen. Yeah. And here's the real question. Are you willing to challenge the system so it takes care not only of you, yeah. but everybody else after you? 
right? Because at the end of the day, that's what happens. That's right, because they learn. This is what I learned with my, with my doctors, that they learn, they learn from the patients. I mean, when I was on uh, thyroid medication, and they'd say, well, I think you need 10 milligrams. I was on methimazole. Right. They'd say, I'd say, well, I don't feel that I need 10 milligrams anymore. I'm feeling like my body really needs five. Let me try five, yep. and then let me try two and a half to see if that works. And then they, they listened. Yeah. Right. I had and a then great the next, team of doctors at that point. Then the next doctor, the next patient that the doctor sees maybe gets five milligrams. Yes. Because after all, you were better than he expected. Maybe the next one will be two. And Absolutely. In, in addition, when you get second opinions, yes. which just for everybody out there, we only get second opinions 10% of the time. Is it people? And, but it changes the diagnosis or the therapy one-third of the time. Yeah, I would think that probably women would be less likely to get second opinions because we have this whole disease to please and don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And I think a lot of women think that, men don't think this way, but women think if I get in a second opinion, it's going to offend my first doctor. Exactly what they think. That's exactly what they think. Yeah. It's about self-esteem. Yeah. Right? And <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the wrong thing. Put yourself first because, after all, when else are you going to do it? And, and but remember... If you get a second opinion and the second opinion person changes the first opinion, yeah. think how many lives you changed. Wow. That first doctor is going to rethink this issue okay, but, for the rest of his But career. let me just ask you this, though, as, as a physician. Would you be upset if a person got a second opinion? And is, in general, do doctors get a little like, well, you want a second opinion? Do they feel that way? Or is that, is that the way we're thinking they would think? Uh, Personally, is that a false assumption? It's not that it's a false assumption. Uh, and being very fair about this, there are going to be some physicians who are offended. However, However. It, it depends on how issue is broached. So I actually encourage patients to get second opinions because I'm talking to them about heart surgery. Oh, yeah. I want them to be absolutely positive that I'm right mm -hmm. so that when we go into it, if things don't work out, they know it was the right decision to go ahead. Okay. So if you go into a doctor as a professional and say, uh, and, you know, with, with, with respect, say, I appreciate what you've done for me. Doctor means teacher. Mm -hmm. Thank you for, for sharing that information with me. I think to be well-educated, I should get additional thoughts. Is that okay with you? It's going to be very difficult for a physician to say no. And they'll give you the medical records, and they'll feel honored that you talk to them in that way. And I've seen this over and over and over again. And you know what? If they don't feel honored, then you, you have the wrong doctor. You have the wrong doctor. You have the wrong doctor. All right. <clears throat> Debbie from Springfield. Hello. Springfield, Missouri has a question about artificial sweeteners. Debbie, what's your question? Hi, Oprah. Hi, Oz. Hi, Hi Harpo team. Hi. Um, first of all, I want to thank you guys for taking our question. I really appreciate the information. You know that old saying, life hands you lemon, make lemonade? Mm-hmm. Well, of <laughs> course, nobody wants to drink sour lemonade. So we've got sugar and we've got artificial sweeteners. And I understand from watching your shows that there's a lot of shortcomings to those. Uh, I understand also that there's a new sweetener out called Pruvia, which contains stevia, a natural uh, plant sweetener. So my question is this. Dr. Oz, is Trivia a healthy alternative, and is it good for diabetics? Well, uh, Debbie, the, the, the first issue I need to address, I think, to answer this fairly, uh, is to ask you what the purpose of using the artificial sweetener is. If it's diabetes, that might make sense. But if it's for weight loss, I'm telling you, there is no data that I've ever heard of. And by the way, it's an international webcast. If someone out there has information to change my mind, please send it to us at Oprah.com. Okay. But, but the most important thing to realize is you are not going to lose weight because you're taking a sugar alternative. In okay. fact, these are called diet drinks, but, you, but you, you know, these are big companies. They never, ever talk about weight loss trials because they've never done any. So okay. uh, that's stated. Here's what I think about so, them. Okay. Stevia is, it comes from an herb. Uh, it's a newer product. Uh, it is natural. Uh, I, I think of the options that are out there, it's one of the better ones. Uh, if you want to use it, I think it's a reasonable thing to try. There have been a few trials 
uh, where it's affected, uh, you know, sperm counts and the like. But I don't think that across the board made them more or less. Less. Okay. But I don't think it's uh, there's been anything really about stevia that makes me alarmed. I actually like agave personally. Personally, I love agave. It's you know it's it's very very sweet, so you don't need very much of it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and you can add it in there. It's comes it's same root as for, for tequila, so I guess you could ferment it and drink it. But <laughs> but the agave is great for tea. Is, is that why it makes it makes margaritas so good? Maybe that's it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. That's where I first. I, no, really. I, I, that's where I first ever heard of it because somebody was at my house and they were making tequilas and they had the agave instead of. I yeah. bet that's why they came. Yeah, out. yeah. Okay. Now the big ones, of course, that are now out I use there, it on oatmeal. I use just a drop I on oatmeal. I, my oatmeal is steel cut oatmeal. Absolutely, yeah, the only way to go. There we only are. way to go. So steel cut oatmeal, uh, some flaxseed oil, yep. which is the omega threes instead of butter. Uh, I like some walnuts in there. Uh, that's optional. Some raisins for sweetness or agave, and that's what I have. You use flaxseed oil on your oatmeal instead of butter. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. Believe really, it. I hadn't tried yeah, that. Yeah, you love that. Love really? that. Really. Uh, and so you're getting a wonderful source of omega three. What do you do? Just like a tablespoon or a tablespoon. teaspoon? Okay. No, I actually like a lot of it. I mean, wow. It's, and it's, again, I don't mind getting my fat in that form because it's not uh, coming from a. So would source. I be getting the same thing if I I, I use just chopped nom, almonds or walnuts? Would that do the same thing as the walnuts flaxseed? will give you a lot of omega threes? Almonds, although I love almonds. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't have nearly the omega-3s that walnuts have. Okay. So they're a good source, but they're not the same as putting flaxseed. Plus, what are you putting in? Don't you, you put butter in it then? What no, do you, I don't butter at all. No. Put all. I put a little skim milk, blueberries, raspberries, and a little chopped almonds. I don't put milk in it. If okay. you're putting skim milk in it, then you won't want to put flaxseed oil. Okay. So instead of your milk then. Okay. Uh, other sweeteners, saccharin. Uh, tons of data on saccharin. It was one of the ones that got some harsh uh, comments made on it early on because if you, you know, gave a ton of it to laboratory animals, they would get cancer. But it, there's a lot of history behind it. So because of that, it actually in some ways is, is safer because at least you know what you're dealing with. It's a known devil. Uh, you, you, uh, aspartame is uh, one that lasts in your body for a long time. Uh, it's the most common sweetener in soft drinks. Which one is that, the yellow packet or the pink packet? The pink packet. No, no, no pink is saccharin. Yep, and the yellow yeah. packet? Yellow is, I think, sucralose and aspartame. I don't drink, I don't eat any of them. I think the blue one. Someone should check this. The blue one, I think, is aspartame. Okay. Uh, but the, uh, but it hangs out for 36 hours. And sucralose is. So you're better without any of it, are you saying? Well, in, in my family, again, I'm, I'm going to be clear about this. I, there's no data out there that I'm aware of that conclusively says that these things are dangerous or bad for you. Okay. But in my family, we don't eat those. I don't let the kids have them. I don't want artificial things in their body, and I don't. I question the reason they're taking them. Because if it's to lose weight, it's not going to work anyway. Now, if you're a diabetic, and why won't it work anyway? I think Bob talked about this last night. Because you're, but, but, go ahead. Because you're giving your brain a schizophrenic impulse. You're saying, "Hey, it's sweet, mm. yeah. but there's no calories coming in." Yeah. So all you're doing is reminding your brain that you want sweet, and so you go out and find your calories. You're going to get your calories anyway. The question is, how are you going to get them? Are you going to get them with a lot of head fakes? fake you know, you know, non-sugar supplements, and then eventually get it later on, or just eat real food and let your body deal with it like it normally would deal with it. Okay. All right. That answered the question. Thank you so much, Deb. Thank you, Oprah. Okay. Faliz is Skyping from Dr. Oz's home country, Turkey. Yeah, you have a Turk on. Yes, a Turk on. There she is right there. Faliz, that's the sinus. That's the I can do the interview in Turkish if you want. I guess uh, that would be counterproductive. <laughs> yeah, counterproductive. You all can just go on and talk amongst yourselves. You could just do that. So what's your question for Dr. <laughs> what's your question? Okay, ask him the question in Turkish, and then he'll translate for us. Go ahead, ask him the question. Oh, really? Okay, all right. Um, 
Ve e, ailemde de bu her zaman vardı. Ve şimdi öğretmen olduğum için utanıyorum. Ve utan çocuklar çünkü sürekli yorumda bulunuyorlar. Utandığım için de böyle gündeme geldi. Ayağım ve oldu. Let, let, let me translate what you said if I could. And then I, I'm going to ask the rest of the question in English. Because otherwise... <laughs> right, sure. So she has, uh, she has psoriasis. Okay. And she's a school teacher. Mm. And it embarrasses her because she has school children in the class. And the... the, the, the What is psoriasis? Psoriasis is an autoimmune ailment. Actually, yeah, can, you, can you show it to us? Show us your psoriasis. Yeah. All right, see, I love Skype. Yeah. All right. So you see on, the, on, her, on the back of her knuckles, yeah. she has some red spots there, and uh -huh. it's sort of rashy-like. Uh -huh. Okay, that's an autoimmune ailment. So the skin, which normally reproduces itself, thank you very much. Thank you. you. Them. Uh, the skin normally reproduces itself every two months or so. Uh -huh. in, in psoriasis, every two weeks you shed your skin. And so your body's continually feeling like there's a, a, a need to heal itself. And so it's continually shedding this stuff. So you end up with these raw surfaces that are dried and patchy in appearance. Mm. So go ahead, finish on them. You can ask the rest in English. Yeah, all right. Um, so um, uh, after giving it thought, there's, uh, there's this uh, lake called Balıklıgöl. And if I translate it, it's fish lake. And it said that the fish nibble on your dry skin and it kind of exfoliates it, and it says it treats the condition. So how effective do you think it is? Uh, I, I, you know, this is a, a topic that I was pursuing last year. Uh, there are actually some places in this country, they, they, yes. they, they, they have the fish, and they actually eat away the dead skin on top of the psoriasis. And uh, there are places in Washington and Texas, and we were actually going to do a show on this, but the health uh, commissions of these states intervened. They said, you know, uh, these, these fish... Uh, go from person to person, eating off the, the, the little scales, so they could spread disease. Plus, you can't really clean the water because you have to kill the fish. But if it is on them, that lake in, in Turkey, actually, because I, I call them, talk to them. They actually have these fish. They, they, they thrive in the water there. Uh, so the fish will come. They'll eat away the dead skin, so it debreeds the skin, cleans it up. And then when the UV radiation sees the skin, it actually helps heal this area. So it's very effective for psoriasis. You have to go make trips there once in a while. But I actually love yeah, this idea. Definitely. You, well, how would you know? This is the thing. How do you know? How do the fish know to go to just the little scaly parts? How you know they don't want to start eating on your knee or something? Well, they, they'll they'll take the low-lying fruits. Good question. <laughs> they're very small fish. I mean, yeah. they're the size you know size of one of my small fingers here, and they they swim around and they'll only take the stuff that's easy to to pull off, which is the the skin that's already dead and, and falling off. Wow. And it's actually quite effective. Now, by the way, there are other ways of taking care of psoriasis besides traveling to this. Uh, these are called uh, doctor fish, by the way, uh -huh. because they, uh, they're, they're uh, you know, an interesting kind of carp that, that eat away the skin. But transcendental meditation, interestingly, is, is one of the first places that we show that that kind of mindful meditation actually is helpful in changing an immune system response. That's a big deal, because what it means to us is that you can actually control your immune system with your brain. Right. There have been all these studies done with monks where they've been able to... Yeah, monks do it great. And, yeah. Uh, and we, you know, there's some wonderful researchers in this area uh, that I think have, have really shed a lot of light on the power of the mind-body connection. And when we look at people asking questions from other world, countries, like yeah. if it is in Turkey, this is the globalization of medicine. Think about it. We have this webcast... But look, this is our community. This right. is now our community. Right. We can talk to her sitting in her... This is a sign of how much I love you. What? I've got some lemon on there. Uh, it looks good. Okay. <laughs> I just squeezed in a lemon into my so, tea. So, this is agave. This is agave, right? Yeah. So, uh, 
but so if you look at uh, what medicine has done historically, it's remained very provincial, right? Yeah. I practice very differently in New York than they have in practice in, on the West Coast. So within the countries, we have big issues. Think about how across the world, what an opportunity we have. So if it is, Hanum asks me a question in Turkey, and I try to give a que answer here in Chicago, and someone in China can take that and spread it to somebody else's, now we're globalizing medicine. And these kinds of insights, transcendental meditation, not you know, something that you instinctively would try in a Western-based culture like ours. Right. These, these, uh, these doctor fish that can pull off uh, scaling skin, all these cool ideas on new foods we sometimes bring to the show, it's all an opportunity to share what the world has to offer in the healing arts. Wow. Feliz, thank you. you good luck. Thank you so much. Yeah, and the yeah, same here. Yeah, same okay. here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay. Jessica lives near uh, Newark, New Jersey, has a question. Jessica, hi. Hi, Oprah. Hi, Dr. Oz. Hi, hi. Jessica. I picked up these detox foot patches, and I was wondering, when I put them on at night, this is how they look, and when I take them off in the morning, this is how they look. What is this all about? Well, that's, uh, I, this is the, a, a big domestic battle for me. Because I've looked into these things, and here's what they look like. Oprah, you can sort of you can put this on your foot if you want. You can reevaluate it. Detox foot patches. Yes. Never heard of it. What's so, it supposed to do? Well, the argument is that it pulls toxins out of your skin. So you put it on the bottom of your feet when you go to bed. Uh -huh. And then when you make up in the morning, uh, as you showed, there it is. That's what it looks like, exactly like that. So my wife, Lisa, swears by these things. She puts them on herself, the kids. Uh, and in the morning, they get up, they have that appearance to them. But I have looked and I have looked and I have looked and I cannot find any evidence that they really pull toxins out of you. Uh, you know, they're, they're you know, bamboo vinegar basically on the inside. Uh, if you put- uh, And so it changes color because, not of toxins, but because of what? You sweat on them. Okay. Uh, you know, and overnight they change color. So I, I must say I'm a little suspect that they're doing much good for you. But again, these are the kinds of, of ideas that I really challenge people making them to prove they work. They, they might work, who knows? Maybe there's something magical about that. Do you feel any different? Or is it like, how would we know? Maybe it's like a placebo. Do you feel any different? Uh, it depends. So it's, I have a bunch of different kinds of them. And it's, some of them, they help me sleep better. And I'm not sure if it's actually pulling toxins out of me or if I just because I slept better that night. But sometimes I do feel a little different. Well, yeah. Well, Dr. Oz isn't giving it the big old thumbs up, right? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't support it, but as I said... Uh, someone... Even though Lisa Oz is yes. sleeping with them on the bottom yes. of I, her feet. I, I, I sleep, they're in the bed every night I go to bed, but I, they're not on my feet. <laughs> oh, I make my husband wear them. He puts them on, too. <laughs> Thanks, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Linda Bye. from Oakland, California is on the phone. Hi, Linda. She's on the phone, right? Okay, hi, Linda. Something happened, she's not there. But it, it, the whole point is that you have to be very careful because there's so many different, uh, you know, offerings out there. There are a lot of offerings. And, uh, you know, in fairness, some of these may work through energy, yeah. which we in the West don't really acknowledge to be uh, a real entity because I can't measure it. But we know that cells have energy in them. Well, that's why I appreciate you because you're so open to all different so, ways of uh, really healing ourselves. Well, you know, I, I, I grew up uh, a good part of my life in Istanbul. And in Turkey, you'd, you'd sit on this Bosphorus, this big waterway, and you'd yeah. look across it and you'd see Asia. And if you're in Asia, you look across and see Europe. So you're right sort of in, the, in this, this, this melding point of, of cultures. And you saw how each side was so sure of themselves. Ah. Right? And, and that's why, you know, when we talk about religion, the opposite of faith is not doubt. It's certainty. Wow. Right? 
And so when you're absolutely positive you got it worked out, that's when you begin to violate the basic equipoise, the, the honesty you have to have with yourself in challenging what works or not. This may absolutely work through a mechanism I can't understand. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, I darn well better understand a little bit more about this before I bash it, because this opens up a whole new vista of yeah. opportunities for well, me. Th well, that's what's so interesting about you, as opposed to a lot of other people in your profession who immediately just start bashing things and say, you know, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Uh, you know, when I started talking to my doctors uh, about bioidenticals, and uh, the first doctor said to me, well, that I, that I think that's just a placebo. I go, can't be a placebo because I feel noticeably different. Yeah. I feel noticeably different, yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're, it, things can work as a placebo. Yeah. They can work because they've got energy. Yeah. Uh, and, and they can be worked by mechanisms we don't understand. Mm. All of them are reasonable. It's very uh, challenging for us to open our minds up because as much as we try to think of medicine... Did you want some tea, by the way? No, thank you. Okay, good. I don't want to get lemon on my, on my lips. You don't want to get lemon on my lips. It's really <laughs> the, good, and it won't keep you up. It's non-caffeine. Yeah, uh, thank you for offering. But, uh, but you know, uh, so frequently when we go through medical school, we are taught in a very organized way about how to learn topics, the organs, for example. Yeah. It's all based on organs. We actually separate the mind from the body on purpose because it's easier to teach about the body if you don't have to worry about the mind getting involved in the process. Do you think that's going to be the way of teaching in the future? Oh, no, it's going to have to change. Yeah. It has to change. Yeah. Because there is everybody, I, I, isn't it mostly accepted now that there is a mind-body connection? It, it is absolutely, and as we advance scientific knowledge on medicine more and more, uh -huh. we realize that we don't have all the answers. Well, you good. know, there was a while, 50 years ago, at the height of this passion we had for scientific uh, mm -hmm. uh, studies of the body, where we really thought that we would figure it all out with science. But at a certain point, you realize, you know, that's not enough. That's not going to answer all the questions that the people who come to us for healing need. We're going to have to go one step past that. So are doctors in med school now being taught differently than you were taught? Yes, there is a much more open discussion about the, the role you have as a humanitarian. Mm. Their whole foundations, the Gold Foundation, for example, mm -hmm. you know, who was a, neuro, a pediatric neurologist at my hospital, woke up one day about 20 years ago and said, you know what? We're not teaching these doctors to be humans. We're teaching them to be technocrats. And when I'm sick, I don't want a technician opposite me. I want someone to hold my hand, look at me in the eyes, mm -hmm. understand what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Because suffering and hope are, are not just things you can take care of with pills and surgery. You know, I like to heal with steel. But, yeah. the, but if you're going to make someone who's suffering feel better, you're going to do it by giving them hope and by giving them a, a way of thinking about their life. That's so interesting because that's what uh, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, who was, you know, brain scientist prior to her stroke, that's what she writes about in My Stroke of Insight, that when she became the patient, mm -hmm. she understood even more. Well, if you want to get a great doctor, get a doctor who has the disease you're being treated for. See, my biggest shortcoming, I think, mm -hmm. as a healer, is I, I, I study the heart, I love the heart, I'm passionate about it, I've had wonderful teachers, but I don't have heart disease. So when I'm teaching a patient about the heart, I'm just parroting back what I've been taught by my patients and my, my teachers. If I actually had the problem, mm -hmm. now I have a whole different perspective on it. Yeah. It's like being trained, uh, having a trainer who used to be a fat person. Yes. They're the best trainers. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Claudia from uh, Franklin, Tennessee is on the phone. Hi. I'm Remember Franklin, Tennessee. Hi, Claudia. Hi. Hi. How are you, Dr. Oz and Oprah? Hi, Claudia. I have a question about medical records. Mm -hmm. I've read that some places are putting medical records online now, and I'm wondering if you have an opinion on that, and do you think that'll someday become a tool for patients to ensure that their records are more accurate, maybe even put accountability in there, knowing the 
doctors are going to have to put something in there the patients will be reading. Claudia, this is uh, happening, and it's happening quickly. Uh, those of you out there watching, please put this on your radar screen. Uh, Health Vault, which is the Microsoft uh, product, and Google Health, both of these large companies are making it easy for us as physicians and hospitals to put information, your information, on a secure website that you control. So here's the game. I don't want to own your medical records. I don't want to have to control them. I want you to be able to tell me where you want it to go. Absolutely. But we don't want to have a vacuum like we've had historically. Because doctors use this. They use a pen to keep records. And we should take advantage. You know, just when America's gone into the 21st century, medicine's going into the 19th century. <laughs> we want to leapfrog it. I think actually one of the most important things that this administration is going to accomplish in healthcare, besides insuring kids, is to make it easy for us to get those medical records out there. And here's why it's important to you. Here's why you should care. Number one, if I don't understand the ramifications of what I'm doing to you, and I can't collect all the people who are being treated that way, I can't improve myself. Mm -hmm. The only data that I get is data that I'm getting because some company paid for a trial. I need to get information that's real, but what that tells me what's really happening in America when we get this operation or that medication. And you, as a patient, you should have the ability to go into the system and say, okay, of all the other 50-year-old white women who have hypertension, who are not heavy, how did they fare with this drug? You should have that data. You don't have it today. We have that at our fingertips. I have that for every other thing you might do in your life, from banking, the media, to get your hairdresser even. I don't have that in medicine. And we're going to get that, I think, over the next year or two. It's, it's, I'm very excited about it. So keep yeah. those two things in your radar. It's a new administration. Just before I came down here, I was checking. It's six, six days, nine hours, and 29 minutes before we... But who's counting? Okay, but who's counting? <laughs> before the inauguration. <laughs> okay. Our next phone caller. Uh, thank you, Claudia. We have another Claudia on the phone. She's from Connecticut. Hi, Oprah. Hi, Dr. Oz. Hi, Thanks Claudia. Thanks so much for taking my call. You're up. I have uh, had recent blood work done in which I had a very high reading of something called the C-reactive protein. As a 46-year-old overweight menopausal and cancer survivor, I am very concerned as to what this might indicate. C-reactive protein um, is a broad, all-out war that your body's immune system is waging. And, it, and it doesn't tell us what it's waging it against. It just tells us that there's a battle going on. So when we see it, it's as important a predictor of heart problems as your cholesterol. Wow. So it's a big deal. Your normal levels are less than one, ideally. Uh, if it's more than three, we get a little concerned. If you've got an autoimmune problem like uh, lupus, then it's going to be even more than 10. So we're most concerned about getting it if you don't have some big autoimmune problem. The number one thing I would do is make sure you don't have an obvious infection somewhere like gingivitis or vaginitis. I mentioned probiotics, very effective for a lot of people in reducing C-reactive protein. Obesity is a big problem with C-reactive protein because it actually, uh, those cells become alive and they begin to secrete hormones. That's one of the issues with hormone replacement therapy. If, if you have a lot of extra weight on board, yep. those fat cells actually make estrogen. So they throw off your levels. So that's much harder for the ovary, which is struggling anyway at the very end of its life, to sort of keep up with the right amount of estrogen. If you have the wrong amount of estrogen, too much of it, uh, with no progesterone, you get those hot flashes. So those three things are what I would focus on first. But you want to find out why it's elevated. It's a warning symptom to you, and you want to treat it. Thank you very much. Thank Welcome. you. Two Claudias in a row. Thanks, Claudia. Thank you very much. Coming uh, to us via Skype from the other side of the world in Shanghai, China, are newlyweds, Terry and Claire. Hi, guys. 
Hi, Oprah. Oh. Hi, Hi. How are you? This is what thrills me about this. Okay, so what's behind you? I just. I'm curious. What's behind? What room are you in? And what's behind your head there? Uh, we're in our living room, and uh, it's just behind. We, we're ready for the Chinese New Year celebration, so we have things on our special tree. <laughs> oh, okay, great. You're right. It's sort of like a glo I, I love this. It's a global classroom. It is. It's a conversation. <laughs> it's a conversation. Yeah, and your question. Okay, guys, thank you. Your question? Okay, okay yes. Uh, uh, hi, Dr. Oz. Nice to see you. Thank you. Um, one thing that uh, we've been uh, here now for a year uh, since we've been married, and uh, before I came here, I'm a typical English person. I was eating uh, convenience fast foods, sweet cookies, chocolate, the usual bad things. And once we came here, um, my wife started me on eating a much healthier diet of fresh vegetables, fish, uh, special produced soup, and, and many other uh, types of foods of that type. But uh, after six months, I started to notice some changes in my body, especially my body hair. Uh, my wife said to me one day, your biceps up here have got more hair than they had before. In fact, they've got hair that you never had before. And, and then uh, started looking all over my body. And my, I had gray hair on my chest, which had disappeared. And my chest suddenly became full of hair at least five times more than I had before on my shoulders. Uh, and, and suddenly I had a, my butt was suddenly becoming full of hair, uh, <laughs> which was really dark black. You, you couldn't help but say, hello, is he turning into a gorilla? What's happening to my husband? So uh, I, what we want to ask the question is, why is this hair growing everywhere, which I didn't have before, except on my head where I really would like it? <laughs> Do you have a simian crease, by the way? Sorry? Do you have a simian crease? Do you know what that is? Um, it's, a crease that no, that? it's a crease that primates have along their, along their palm. In any case, Oh, uh, you, you don't, along their palm. Yeah. Right, oh, right I mean, here. maybe I do. It's, no, it's, I'm joking. You don't, because if you did, you wouldn't be a human. <laughs> <laughs> it's a single crease across the palm. You know, I love questions like this because you're an anecdote, right? You've got a specific story that's very personal to you, but you put a lot of anecdotes together, maybe it becomes data. Maybe all of a sudden we got enough pieces of evidence. So there are people out there watching this who might have a similar experience as you. Oh, wait, you're going to get a lot of got a hair on my yes, butt, people. Exactly. They, they, yeah. they, yeah. <laughs> but they may not be as brave as you. OK. So uh, here's, the, here, here's my thoughts. First of all, I, I'm a little concerned only because there have been some stories of impurities in, in some of the food supplies coming from China that you may be getting chemicals in the food. Uh, and I want to be sure that you're not getting testosterone or another hormone or something that acts like a hormone in the food you're eating. But assuming a more uh, a safe option, it might be because you're having less stress, which, by the way, will also change how DHT, this hormone that controls hair loss and growth, works. Uh, and you, if you're eating a lot of green tea, now that you're in China versus England, that, that actually will, we, we, will, will change DHT, reduce it, so you actually won't get hair loss. And then for the darkening of the hair, interestingly, soy products uh, might influence that. Leafy green vegetables uh, have something uh, called PABA in it, P-A-B-A. It's a precursor to folic acid. Um, and yeah. those actually seem to allow hair to turn darker. It doesn't necessarily turn gray hair to dark hair, but might make the hair you have darker. And, and those could all be uh, potential reasons why you're seeing changes, even on, the, on your buttocks. One thing, uh, Dr. Oz, that I uh, do eat that I've never eaten before here is sesame seeds. 
Um, we have uh, in, in China, we have a lot of like what they call rice flour, which makes a sesame seed, which they put sesame seeds inside. You can see on the screen there. Yeah. 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 Um, these are, these are uh, you, you boil them and eat them uh, as a, like a dessert. And uh, so that's something else that, I'm not, that I've started to eat that I haven't eaten before. Um, and also the fresh vegetables uh, and everything else. Well, I mean, you, one thing that my diet's completely changed in that way. Well, you also are having a better ratio of fats, more of the healthy omega-3 fats. That was one of our action step items for... But my question is, Claire, you're eating the same thing, right? And you're not growing hair. Yes, in all yes, sure, yeah. Strange places. Yeah, and choice difference is uh, five. Uh, choice difference is uh, five colors uh, vegetable every day. If we can show it, yeah. But, but are you growing it's hair? Light purple. Yeah, yeah, it's green and it's white and yellow. As ah. I heard, it's very important. Different is the colors of vegetable. Yeah, I make Perfect. the soup. Yeah, every day is for lunch or dinner. Yeah, because isn't it true the more colors you have on your plate, the healthier it you is. Are? And the reason, of course, is because these fruits make colors. In, and vegetables make colors in order to protect themselves from the sun. Yeah. So they're antioxidants. So they are naturally protecting themselves. When you eat them, you're benefiting from what they made for themselves. You showed me the sesame, which might be part of it, but the rice you mentioned also, rice bran, the, the rice germ, all, all these also will influence those PABA, P-A-B-A levels. And so they may be partially responsible. And uh, Maybe you had a deficiency of that before. If you don't have enough biotin, uh, which is a B vitamin, if you don't have enough folic acid, another B vitamin, that, and you don't have this PABA, which is the precursor to those, then you won't, you'll actually prematurely gray your hair. Yeah. One thing uh, on folic acid, um, in England we have a product called Marmite, which is a, a yeast product that, uh, we, which contains a lot of folic acid, and I've always eaten this all my life, so I don't think that would have been a, a big difference. But the fish and the omega-3, I would say definitely I eat a lot more than I had before. Maybe we should biopsy your buttocks. Yeah, nice. Sorry? <laughs> He's not excited. Maybe we should buy yeah, yeah, oxy buttons, your yeah. buttocks, is what he said. Let's buy oxy <laughs> your buttocks. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll send some of uh, the hairs over if he wants them. Terry <laughs> <laughs> and Claire, thank you so much. I don't know, even though, is it the next? It's already the next day there, right? Yeah, it's the next yeah, day. The next day. Yeah, it's early morning. It's uh -huh. early morning, but uh, we'll probably go for a foot massage this afternoon. Uh, <laughs> Because it, that is something else that I know you, you did mention that can have some uh, good effects on your body because that gets rid of a lot of toxins as well. It does, and it also relaxes you, and that ultimately may be one of the most important things that's happening. Because if you allow this, the dyes, the melanin, to be secreted naturally and you have the normal mix of hormones at the level of the skin, you, you'll have a very yeah. different uh, pattern on your hair. Anyway, thanks for being yeah. with us. Thank you, okay, both. Thanks. Bye Thank for you. now. Bye-bye. Bye, Oprah. Bye, Oz. Bye. Bye, Oz. Do you know, I was, as I was leaving Africa the other day, uh, Sunday, Sunday evening, uh, I was leaving Africa, and just as I was going, uh, the guys at the passport thing, they're like, hi, 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 hi. And as I was walking out to go to the plane, he says, please say hello to Dr. Oz. Oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> please say hello to Dr. Oz. <laughs> Our next Skyper is Laura, Skyping from an internet cafe in New South Wales, Australia. She's Canadian. She's having a bit of trouble adjusting. What's happening? Hello, yes. Um, well, within the last year, I started driving here in Australia. Prior to that, when I was living in Canada, I was driving there for about eight years. So the change from the right to the left-hand side of the road was a bit of a challenge for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually wondering what happens in the brain when a skill like that needs to be changed, and how long can I expect I'll get used to it? Well, you're, you're actually lucky, you know. I, I, I've been in places where you cross the border and they switch 
sides of the road. So that's a pretty dangerous setup. You know, I, I, I think that the way we change our ability to think about challenges is one of the most brilliant parts of the human brain. It, it's what gives us the plasticity to address the challenges of life. And I think that, that if you look at your need now to shift sort of to do everything upside down and backwards, it's something that's going to happen because your brain is going to secrete a chemical, a hormone called brain-derived growth factor. It's like miracle growth for the brain. And what this does is force neurons to grow new connections. So like trees growing new branches, they'll start to touch each other in different ways. However, it takes two to three weeks. That's why, by the way, all these self-help programs, they're always two weeks or three weeks. That's how long it takes to change one habit to 21 another. Days, 21, 21 days. 21 days to perfect health. Yeah. So this is 21 days to driving right. Uh, but you got to do it every day. You got to practice and reinforce it over and over like any other habit you want to alter. And I, we know in surgery, when we teach physicians to use those endoscopic tools, the ones that are few, far away, so it's, instead of touching it yourself, you got to learn to use instruments. It takes a couple weeks of day in, day out thinking about it to, to reshape how the brain works through these problems. But like, like all other human beings, you have the prefrontal cortex that will let it happen. All right. How are you liking <laughs> Australia, you. Laura? How are you liking Australia? Oprah, I love it here. Yes, I do. I really enjoy it. Is it summer there yet? It is. It's very warm right now. It's mid-30s. Wow. So um, I'm on summer holidays. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm a teacher, so I'm on summer holidays for a few more weeks. Mid-30s centigrade, she means. Yeah, OK. So tell me yes, this. Yes. Is the movie Australia? Is everybody excited about the movie Australia over there? Um, yes. Yeah, everyone was really excited about it. I actually saw the show that you did with the actors. but. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually gone to see it yet, so I, I hope to see that soon. That'd be great. Thanks for talking to yeah, us, Laura. Yeah, well, 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 thank you very much. Yeah. One last little tip before I forget. Uh, Omega-3 fats yeah. are hugely valuable in helping people cope with stress and change their thinking patterns. So okay. think about that. Remember, 80% of your brain is omega-3s. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's one of the most important nutrients to get your brain sharp. OK, thank you. Take thank care. you. Thank you, Laura. So now we have Ainsley again from Franklin, Tennessee. We have two Franklin, Tennessees in one night. I love it. Unbelievable. Hello, Franklin. Hi, Ainsley. Oprah. Hi, Hi, Dr. Oz. How are y'all? Good, good, Ainsley. Go ahead. Good. I have a question about cancer. My parents have both been diagnosed with cancer in recent years. My dad actually died from multiple myeloma, which is a bone marrow cancer, in 2005. He was 59 years old. And my mom, who just turned 60, recently was diagnosed with lung cancer, and she was a non-smoker, um, and it actually... Oh, excuse me? Well, Go ahead, I'm finish sorry. your question. Go ahead, somebody... Okay. Okay, my mom, is, she has lung cancer, mm -hmm. and she's 60, and it's recently metastasized to her brain. Oh. And my parents are very healthy, or they were very healthy. They ate right, they're avid tennis players, they took the right vitamins that you and Dr. Rosen recommend. My, um, I'm just a little worried for my own health in the future, and how can I stay cancer-free? I mean, is there anything that they miss that I should add to my life now? Well, you mentioned that your mom is not a smoker. Uh, the number two reason people get lung cancer is, uh, is exposure to radon. Yes. So uh, I would definitely check the basement. And everyone in America, especially in cold weather areas, you know, the, the, the houses are very well insulated, so they trap radon, which is a gas that comes from the soil. So they That's have a number two actually reason. had number her house reason. tested for radon once she was first diagnosed, and it came over, it was clear, which is okay. Yeah, okay. okay. That, that's good news. Wow. But for people who don't know that, they're, they're I never $10, heard that before. $10 kits. They're easy to use. Put them in your basement overnight, and you get the readings. They'll you send it off, and 
you, you find out. And that's if you have a certain kind of heat in your house? No, no, no. It's not from the heat. It's from the soil. The, 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 the land releases radon. If you put a house on top of the land and it insulates the house, the gas can't go anywhere. It's, it gets stuck in your basement. Wow. And then it permeates. You get sick houses. The houses that people get sick in, a lot of times it's because they've got high radon uh, levels in them. And so what do you do to test your radon? It's a little kit. Um, it's about the size of my palm. Yeah. Uh, you open it up. You put it in your basement. It collects the air for a couple hours. You pack it up, mail it off to the company. They buy them at any hardware store. Okay, and so let's say your house is sitting on a radon heap. Uh, they can put vents in to get okay. rid of the radon, and sometimes you got to move. But uh, ideally, obviously, you find you can put a pit in there to let the radon get back out again. Wow. But, but this is a, you know, a, a big issue for a lot of Americans. Uh, I don't know if you've got toxins in the water uh, where you live. Uh, it's hard to tell, uh, but I always yeah. worry about that. Uh, you can have the water checked. Most of the time, communities can... Uh, we'll, we'll do that routinely anyway, but you can get more extensive testing. You also should check your own genome. Some people are born, listen, we're all dealt cards in life. And sometimes yeah. those cards mean we're going to get cancer younger than we would have gotten cancer. The good news about cancer today is most people can live with their cancer. We're a land of survivors. Uh, but if you want to know if you're at risk for a certain kind of cancer, there are genetic tests that can be done to screen for the most obvious ones. These are particularly true for breast cancers and the like. Uh, and you ought to, since you've got two cancers in young people, you ought to check. And we talk a little bit about medical history. Yes. The most important thing uh, I think for people to take away from this question is if you have two relatives, especially close blood relatives who are younger than 60, which you do, who have a problem that threatened their life, then you have a genetic predisposition to it probably. And that becomes okay. your family history. You've got to tell people about it and have them search into what's going on in your genes that you might need to know about to reduce the chance of it happening to you. Okay. All right, good luck to you. Thank you so much for taking my call. And how is your mom doing with, with, the, with it now metastasized to the brain? How is she doing? Well, she's actually doing very good. Thank goodness she is healthy because they're treating it pretty aggressively. They are, um, she's doing 20 rounds of whole brain radiation, and then she's going to have a surgery in two weeks that's called stereotactic radio surgery wow. that will actually eliminate the tumors that are in her brain. Whew. So... Kind of scary, but um, she's doing great and has a great attitude and a great support system. So, thank you, thank you, Oprah. Thank you. All the best to you and to her. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Runa is skyping Runa uh, from her living room in Iceland. Hello, Runa. Hi, Oprah, and hi, Dr. Oz. Warm regards from Iceland. Thank you. I want to know <laughs> what, what what's the temperature in Iceland. I want to see if it's colder there than it, uh, warmer there than it is in Chicago. What's the temperature? Do you know? Um, it's about zero in the centigrade. That's what, 32 in the Fahrenheit, isn't it? It's warmer in Iceland. It's warmer in Iceland than it is in Chicago. Okay, go ahead. Your question, Runa. Hi, well, Dr. Ross, I'm concerned about the ec economic downturn because everywhere I go, there's so much stress in people's life. And I'm wondering, are there any special food or uh, vitamins or herbs that we should be taking to keep our spirits up? Or maybe something that could give us the balance to yeah. keep our mind, body, spirit in in. Are there any ha happy vitamins? Yeah, That's happy good. vitamins. <laughs> I love that. Well, well, a couple of things. There, there are foods that we know help people cope with stress. I, I mentioned uh, omega-3s earlier in that context. We actually did an experiment uh, with the BBC where we took cab drivers and uh, had obnoxious passengers get in behind them and ask them you know, questions that were tough to, to deal with. And then we gave them sardines which have lots of these healthy fats, and then redid the test. And they actually coped much better. They didn't get lost in the city. They were able to get where they wanted to go, and they reported their stress level was lower. So it, what did it calm you? It calms you. Yeah. Because it, it gives you the nutrients to cope. But 
Across the board, historically, how humans coped with stress was fasting, uh, elective fasting. You just sort of, you know, drop all the toxins that might be coming into your food supply and, and take down, just shut it down and slow it down. And I think that should be part of uh, the thought process for people who really feel wiped out. But we also, as a species, had the ability to find certain herbs that are called adaptogens. And these are primarily antioxidants, and uh, they are found in nature in different places. In North America, we have ginseng, for example, which is a very important adaptogen. Uh, and it helps us cope with the flu. Uh, it helps us get through difficult times. In, uh, in uh, Northern Europe, they have rhodiola in Siberia as well. I mean, it helps them live in Siberia. So drinking, yeah. you know, like chamomile tea with ginseng in it at night is a very calming yeah. thing, I think. Calming, and it's an adaptogen, so mm -hmm. it gets you through that. And, and there are other adaptogens as well. Uh, the maca, it, which is used in South America a lot, is an adaptogen. It helps them live in those very high altitudes in the, in the Andes. So these herbs, uh, have a unique ability to, to super drive our system to cope with stressors that would normally weaken us. Mm. And I think that's one of the beauties of the planet. The reason we talk about you know, maybe doing a planet health uh, tour one day is because ultimately the reason for us to take care of this place we live called the, the, the Earth is because it actually provides the healing, nurturing powers that ultimately will sustain our species. So when we, when we can, can dive into the beauty of the planet and understand, not just at the level of an herb, which is a great tool, but also spiritually how it influences us, uh, you know, how it impacts everything we think about, uh, th then we realize, my goodness, this is ultimately where our source of energy comes from. That's why when we hurt the planet, we're hurting ourselves. Runa, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Runa, I love that name. Trudy Skyping in from her bedroom in uh, Sweden. Helsingborg. Hello. Yo, hi. Hi. My name is Trudy, and originally I'm an American from Connecticut, but I moved to Sweden um, 50 years ago. Are there a lot of black people and in Sweden? I was just going to ask that question. <laughs> you know I was headed there. <laughs> well, there are starting to come many from Africa in different countries, and we have also uh, Vietnamese veterans were in Sweden, but 50 years ago I was very exotic. I hope I, you can understand. And there was no one that could help me with my hair. And now I am 69. I turned 69 the other day. And what I have found out is that from the age of 60, my body lives its own life. My skin has become dry. My hair is brittle. I have dark circles under my eyes. There are ridges in my nails. And it's hard to lose weight. Is it so that after 60, um, the body just runs away with you and you have nothing to do with it? I, can you give me any suggestions hmm. how I can live a better life? Well, first, do you take vitamin D at all? Vitamin D. Yeah, I take a multivitamin with vitamin D, yes. That, that multivitamin probably has about 400 units of vitamin D. And okay. This is not enough. Not enough. You need probably three times that. So you should get an extra vitamin D pill uh, and okay. take it daily. And the reason I bring that up is that can explain a bunch of things that you're complaining about. Uh, and, okay. and so I would start there. But I also think you should watch the show that Oprah is going to do on Thursday because hormone replacement therapy might be of value to you. Some of the things you're talking about, the brittle hair, the changes of the skin, the drying of the skin, the nail ridges, these are sometimes seen in thyroid diseases. And the thyroid gland, which is 
you know, one of the way your, ways your body really speaks to you. It's this butterfly-shaped gland in your neck, um, and it controls the thermostat of the body. And so if it's not functioning at the optimal level for you, then sometimes taking a small amount of this thyroid uh, gland can actually put you back on track again. It's also possible uh, that you went through menopause later, uh, in part because uh, you were generally healthy. And if that's the case, you may actually benefit from taking hormone replacement therapy. And this is not something that I just mentioned casually. Uh, I, I don't want to be lackadaisical about this. These are, these are big decisions. But you have to be involved in, in trying to help us figure out if that's indeed what's going on uh, to your body. Because what you're mentioning, all these things, your hair, your skin, your nails, these are all made over months. And so they reflect to us the fact that there's something that's slow but continuous uh, in, uh, going on in your body. Okay, thank you. And I would definitely add some more leafy green vegetables, which are a good source of biotin. So chard, things like that, if you can get access to them in Sweden. The, the, these... Uh, chard. Chard. These are... It's actually Swiss chard. Yes, Swiss chard. Swiss chard. <laughs> Ironically. <laughs> but, you know, romaine lettuce, I mean, other sources. But biotin is that B vitamin I mentioned uh, earlier in the program that's so important to the way we make these, 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 these uh, nails and, and the, hair. Because the dark circles come from what? I've noticed people well, with the dark the, circles. The, the bags are fat that's herniated behind, from behind the eye. Right. The dark circles come from several different causes. One of them is uh, we think adrenal gland changes. Uh, some pigmentation occurs with age for a variety of other reasons. Sometimes if you're exposed to the sun, you'll actually get a ring beneath the eye because it'll go around the sunglasses. It'll highlight the bags. So how is your energy level too? How's your energy level? Well, I, I try. I go to spinning twice a week okay. and I, I go out walking. So I try to keep it. The fact um, that you're actually getting up going to a spinning class is good. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I'm 69. Sometimes I feel tired, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you, we have, all of us, the ability to live with the vitality we desire into our ninth, maybe tenth decade. So uh, you should not be tolerant of not having the energy you desire at age 69. Uh, there are some times when you want to be able to look back on life and, and, and enjoy what you've accomplished, but I don't think 69 is the right time. No, no. Yeah. My mother was 98 and my father was 90 when they died, so I have good genes. So. <laughs> Very good. Thank <laughs> okay. you so much. Thank you so much Thank for you. calling in. I thought that's such an important thing you, that you just said is that we have the ability and should feel that we can live with vitality into the eighth and ninth de decade. And I think so many people settle for feeling less because they don't know that they can feel better. I, I'm, I'm amazed at how many people, if you ask them, how do you feel? They say fine, but they don't know what fine means. Right? For most people, fine means I'm not in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, 1% of us. What I want to do is to waken up the, the soul of most of us and say, listen, don't be tolerant of being 25% of who you could be. Mm. You know, be 90% of who you could be. Mm -hmm. We could all get there. Well, that's what all this Best Life Week has been about. It has been, and it does it beautifully. And it's all those five topics. You need all of them to be addressed Absolutely. in your life Absolutely. to live your best life. Don't be satisfied with 25% of what you could be. All right, Virginia is a university professor Skyping in from her family's home near Washington, D.C. And your question for Dr. Oz. Hello. Um, hello. Um, first of all, I just want to say I love you, Oprah. And thank you, Dr. Oz. I love your book. You, the owner's manual, has just been perfect. Now, I have a situation. I want to know what Dr. Oz thinks about it and what he makes out of it. About 19 years ago, I underwent a uh, emergency surgery um, when I went in for surgery, they gave me anesthesia through with a needle. 
and it shut down my body. Um, I could hear everything crystal clear. So what happened was I said to the doctor, I said, I can hear you. I hope I can't feel you. Um, then I got a second jolt of anesthesia that sent me out into stark darkness. I was scared. I thought everything had messed up and I was dead. I was out in darkness and there was this presence that touched me on my shoulder and sort of led me across the darkness. It took me to the flickering lights of what I saw as an inferno. It put me right in the middle of that inferno and there were wailing and people were crying and the fire was, was burning brightly and it came up into my feet, up through, past my ankles, going up into my knees. I was crying, pleading, begging for my life. I was asking God to just help me, to bring me back to life. I want to see flowers. I want to see the park. I want to see people. Please just let me get back to life again. As I pleaded and as the fire was continuing to come up, just like a 360 degree turn, it started to dissipate. And thank God, because the fire started to come down my knees, it came out of my feet. I, this, this spirit, I call it my angel, that led me back across the darkness. And then I woke up in my hospital bed and my doctor said to me, we um, stopped taking care of you about an hour ago, so it must have been your angel that brought you here. Mm. What do you make of that? You know, I, I've always been curious about uh, these events. I, I've had several in my own practice. I talked about one patient already tonight. I, I think that the, the brain is made up, obviously, of parts that can actually create very clear senses. So eyesight, touch, uh, we hear, we taste. But the places in the brain that connect those different parts uh, are often not given enough blood when we have near-death experiences. And so what ends up happening is they become disconnected. So we see ourselves floating. We, we, we hear things, but we cannot, can't connect the hearing to the seeing. All these things become discombobulated in our minds. And I think that's one of the reasons that we have these out-of-body experiences. Of course, the other possibility is that God's prefer preparing you for the end. Mm -hmm. And there's such a constancy to these recollections. Yours is a scarier one than the ones I normally hear. Yeah, yeah. I, most people have just, a beautiful... Talk about a light. Yeah, yeah. it's just, it's, it's blissful. They talk they're, about light. They're exactly, they're challenged to come back. I mean, they came back as a favor to us <laughs> because if it was up to them, they would have kept going. And this is one of the reasons that we've done so much work looking at the role of prayer and spirituality and healing. And it's so challenging to do because if you ask people, 90% of them tell you they think they're being prayed for. And they already think they're getting it. And there's an energy out there. I'm convinced of it. How we tap into that energy is where the challenge lies. Is it in fact some non-local force out there that colors, touches us and colors us and influences us that we just can't see yet that some of us are visionary enough to tap into, like a lightning rod and pull it down to us? Uh, or is it some energy that we can very purposely manipulate? Uh, or is it a divine force that you know, we shouldn't really be getting involved in? When I have patients who ask me if they should be prayed for, I, I, I always warn them, I said, you know, be careful what you're getting prayed for. You, know, you should not pray to survive the surgery. You should pray so 
thy will be done. You should mm. pray for what's best. Mm. Uh, because it gets challenging for us to understand this process more. But when you move out of medical school and the books that give you the answers mm -hmm. to the biochemistry and you deal with patients who have read very different books than you read. <laughs> yeah. It, it, but Larry Dossi's done many studies on how prayer really has a major yeah. effect on people in, uh, in, 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 in the medical field. Yeah. Larry is, is one of the people who influenced me the most because mm -hmm. I would read his books when I was just starting my practice. Uh, but that stated, we're still struggling to find out at what level it plays a role in our bodies. And that probably is the single biggest opportunity of all yeah. for the future of medicine. The bottom line is, is what Dr. Oz was saying earlier, Virginia, they don't know all the answers. And so I'm sure just as your doctors couldn't explain what that experience was for you, uh, you know, nobody knows all the answers. And it's really left for you to sort of live with that over the years to figure out what that experience meant to you. But I don't think it was an accident. No accidents. No accidents. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing that with us. Really, really appreciate it. So this is our year. It's our year. Yeah. You know, I got to say, I, so many folks have been concerned about the economy and talking about the, the, the bad news that day after day after day comes in. As a healer, mm -hmm. there's been a big, big silver lining around all this because people, when their expectations get messed up mm -hmm. and life's not so simple and straightforward, they got to think deeper. They got to deal with the realer problems of life. That's why I think it's it's in our face because we were headed off course is, as we, a nation, as a as a nation, and the world really. It's like your there's Runa in uh, Iceland feeling the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've always said you know, sometimes you have to get slapped upside your head. That's right. <laughs> but this I, was the brick for us. And it was, and I think uh, I'm seeing over and over again people reshaping their lives. You know, you don't have the money for a babysitter, so you spend time with the kids. Uh, you can't take that big trip. So you stay together in the house. Yeah. Our expectations change, but not for the worst. They're just different. And I think it's a, it's a wonderful growing opportunity for a lot of us to focus in on what really makes a difference in our lives. Well, thank you all for joining us tonight. Thanks so much. Whatever time zone you are in, my goodness, Shanghai and Turkey and Iceland and Franklin, Tennessee. Australia. Pay, Australia. <laughs> paying attention to your health, as we all know, as I have learned the hard way, is just one of the ways to start living your best life. We'll be back again tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. If you're asking yourself, is this all there is to life? Some of what Virginia was just talking about, or if you just want uh, more in your day. I have an entire panel of experts. We're talking about finding your spiritual path. Finding your spiritual path. Go to Oprah.com to find out how you can watch. It's been delightful talking to you. Yes. Yes. Oshante. Yes, Oshante. <laughs> if you want to experience this class again or tell a friend who missed it, our webcast will be available tomorrow for free here at Oprah.com. Also, you can download the podcast tomorrow at Oprah.com and iTunes. If you're an Oprah and friend subscriber, the conversation continues with Dr. Oz on XM156 and Sirius 195. So keep your calls coming. 866-OPRAH-XM, 866-677-2496. And all of our Best Life Week webcasts will uh, re-air on Oprah and Friends this Sunday morning. But I will not be on the radio cast with you. I'm going to go to sleep. Well, I'm, I'm trying to decide, should I take melatonin or not? Yes. Yeah. Melatonin works when you have jet lag causes for insomnia. It does? Yes. Okay. Because remember, your brain is saying the sun should be going down. That's right. Uh, or for you actually coming up. Coming up. So now it's got to go down. So take the melatonin, trick the brain tonight. After a couple of days, you won't need it. Okay, thank you. Good night, everybody. See you on the radio. <laughs> See you on the radio. Hear you on the radio. Hear you, exactly. Hear you on the radio. Okay, I'm going to do the melatonin one.
Thank you for joining the webcast. Find the support and tools you need to live your best life at oprah.com slash live your best life.